Hello, and welcome to the Euro What, episode number 89. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. And our special guests, the crew from 12 Points from America. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi. We are a pair of American podcasts trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we'll be talking about the music in Netflix's Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. How's everyone doing? Not too shabby. One foot in front of the other, I keep saying. Pretty good. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, we have a lot of guests on the show today. Uh, it's the the foursome from the 12 Points from America podcast. Welcome to the Euro What. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I guess Mike. 12 Pointsers are actually now officially outnumbering the Euro Waters by, by a two to one margin. This is actually a hostile takeover. We're- yep, this is our show now. Oh. We, are, <laughs> we are three people away in the Zoom from having like a full Brady Bunch thing going on. It makes me happy. Hmm. Oh, oh, nice. We should get the folks from uh, Star Spangled Eurovision on here and see, you know, get, yeah. get the full thing going on. There the thing go. is, if we divide it up, we get two points each from America. Yeah. Hmm. The UK would kill for those two points, though. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot worse. Uh, so, yeah, we should probably go uh, around the horn so uh, everybody can introduce themselves and uh, we know whose voice belongs to whom. I think we have the same rotation. We're, we're recording on Zoom this time, which is a slightly different setup than we're used to. So, Eric, you're in my upper left corner. Uh, hi, I'm Eric. Uh, I am one quarter of 12 points from America. Uh, this is all Sam's fault. You'll hear from Sam in a second. Uh, my first Eurovision was in 2014. Uh, when I went to uh, Sam's Eurovision party, I was immediately in love with the whole thing. And I've been a big, big fan ever since. Uh, I have never been to Eurovision. I was going to be going to Rotterdam, uh, and then something happened. I forget what, and uh, I wasn't able to. uh, But hopefully next year, next year we will uh, will reconvene, and uh, it'll be super fun. Excellent. It can be an in-person hostile takeover. That's point. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Danny, how's it going? Oh, I'm going fine. My very first Eurovision experience was uh, showing up halfway through to Sam's Eurovision party in 2018. Uh, the very first Eurovision song I ever saw was Toy by Neta. So it was an auspicious beginning. Excellent. He's never forgiven me. Yeah. <laughs> what happened was I walked into the party and Sam said, we'll, we will pause voting so that Danny can see this video. Nice. <laughs> And Sam, you're next on, on the list. Hey, uh, I'm Sam, as you guys have mentioned. Uh, I am, I guess, patient zero for a lot of a lot of the Eurovision fandom in, in, our, in our neck of the woods here. Um, I've been a fan probably since, I think the first contest that I actually really watched was maybe like 2004, 2005 on a grainy octo-shaped stream. Oh, I remember home. the octoshape plug-in. Yeah, I know, like, right? What does that do the rest of the year on my computer? I don't I don't think it did anything other than just take up space. Mm-hmm. But uh, in around 2008 or nine, I started my own little WordPress blog called the ESC Insider, which is still my Twitter handle. Um, and by 2011, I had kind of made the decision that I was going to go to a Eurovision. So Düsseldorf in 2011 was my first. And I've been going ever since, uh, primarily under the auspices of uh, escinsight.com doing a lot of the work with with you and spence and co over there uh doing a lot of interviews and all that good stuff uh in 2017 and 18 i was the assistant head of press for the bulgarian delegation wow. uh, which was incredible fun um but i'm currently back with insight when i'm on site there uh let's see what other random stuff have i done i was part of the ebu team 
uh, for junior year edition 2014-2015. And uh, last year I also did a live bilingual simulcast for a radio station out of the Boston area doing English and Portuguese language live commentary for the show in Tel Aviv. So I've done a whole bunch of random crap with the contest and I love every second of it. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. And Derek, how's it Yo. going? Yeah, it's going all right. Uh, my history. I'll keep it short. Sam dragged me to 2015 and I was completely in over my head. I was there with a radio station in Wales. Came back the next year with a blog in Ireland. Came back the year after that for the Bulgarian delegation. Year after that, Austrian delegation. And then the radio station that Sam just mentioned in Boston. So We'd like to refer to Derek as the Eurovision Ronin. He's I a get masterless samurai walking from, <laughs> from accreditation to accreditation. Nice. <laughs> it's a good gig if you can get it, I guess. <laughs> it is. I'd like to point out that Sam and Derek are both in Christian Kostov's postcard. Really? Yep. Briefly. Uh, so uh, they're they're very famous. This is uh, this is what we bring to the table. Apparently. <laughs> and by we, I mean not me and not Danny, but the others. Anyway, I'm going to go. It's been nice seeing everyone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have to go at this point. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, ben, how's it going? Don't want you to feel left out. So. Thank you, Mike. Um, it's good. I don't know. It's it's a Monday. It's June. Time progresses. Since this is the last weekend of June, uh, that means the Eurovision movie came out on Netflix uh, this past Friday. And uh, we all saw it. Uh, we all had opinions about it. Uh, we're not going to talk about those opinions here because we already talked about that on 12 Points from America, which has also dropped uh, as this episode has dropped. So uh, be sure to head over there and uh, listen to that episode uh, to find out what we thought about the movie. Uh, where, where can we find the podcast? Uh, we can find it on all major streaming services, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, all that good stuff. Google Podcasts. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at 12PointsUSA. Let's see, both Eric and I are also just on Twitter on ourselves. I'm at ESC Insider. Eric is... E-R-I-K is tweeting. Uh, and I am. Sometimes. Not always. I have to sleep and eat and poop and stuff. But usually I'm tweeting. All right. And we will also have uh, links to all of that in our show notes. Uh, but yeah, for this episode, we're going to talk specifically about the music in the movie, because uh, there was a lot of it since it is about the Eurovision Song Contest. So what were people's overall impressions of the Eurovision-ish songs made for the film? They seemed like great little snippets of songs that I could have definitely enjoyed on a larger scale. I mean, I, I feel like some of them were, you look at the time signatures for some of them, not the time signatures, like the actual length of time for things like, you know, Volcano Man, Cooling with the Homies. It's like, they're a minute and a half a piece. Part of me is thinking these are like snippets of demos of basics. And I would have loved to have seen some of them be a little bit more fleshed out. Luckily for me, the one that was the most fleshed out and which is actually a song in its own right was Full Moon, which was quote unquote, the finish entry. Is 
actually a song in its own right, full on single. It's like three and a half minutes long, which I guess yeah. means it would have been disqualified. But yeah, that's by a, a British band called Anteros. So I... every other song is a minute and a half. They're giving their extra time to that. And the San Remo cut of whatever Italy song is. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're fun, simplistic little things of, of what I think a lot of people would have expected a Eurovision song to sound like. A lot of pop, a lot of upbeat, a couple of ballads. The mm-hmm. sound of these songs was, and, and I said this on our, uh, on our share of the podcast, but not inaccurate. If, if the songs didn't at least sound like legitimate Eurovision entries, they sounded like a tribute to a couple Modge Podge together. The, the contest wasn't the butt of the joke. The songs weren't overly silly. They were very believable. I appreciated a lot that it wasn't just a bunch of samey pop songs that they, that they bothered to delve into different genres because I think uh, a lot of people... Uh, who who have just sort of a, a surface sort of base of knowledge about what Eurovision is and what it's like, assume that it's a lot of like, I use this term fairly loosely, but like Euro trash dance mm-hmm. pop sort, okay. sort of music. Uh, and it's not. And it is important to me as a Eurovision fan that people know that it's not. So one of my biggest worries about the movie was that it was going to portray the contest as what it is stereotypically thought to be as opposed to what it actually is. And yeah, there was a lot of pop music, but there were other things. There was uh, uh, the, the Swedish entry. Uh, and as much as I was watching that thinking uh, Sweden would never. Um, yes, that yeah. was that my main response. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sweden would never. Uh, chilling with my homies. You know, I, the last few Melfests have been a little underwhelming. Something could squeak through, you know. Not with seven uh, people on stage. That was yes, my thing. Absolutely. Oh, that was it? <laughs> the yeah. moment I saw Sweden them, like, disqualified for having six dancers on stage. Listen, he was just chilling with his homies. Like one of them better be a hologram then. <laughs> yeah. Or or at least a stage invader. I like that there were that there was a, a good variety of, of music represented. The act that wasn't Lordy but was based on Lordy oh, uh, yeah. was, was a nice thing to, to see in there, that sort of thing. I would have liked like a full version of the the not Lordy song on the soundtrack because that only had like the minute and a half long we this is the this mm-hmm. is the amount of the song we wrote and that's the one that where I was like, no, I want a full song for that. Yeah, Eric, yeah. Uh, like like you, I was very concerned that like the the movie's version of Eurovision was just going to be twenty six wolves of the sea stapled together, just like real Euro trashy. And like I like that, but like not all the time, all of all of the music. So it was nice to see there were things that were clearly kind of jokey because like Line of Love was kind of over the top, Volcano Man over the top, but most of the music within the competition had like at least one or two things it was kind of referencing because double trouble like especially because uh eurovision again just did 2014 felt a lot very much like paula selig and obi in ways yeah yeah, yeah definitely all they needed was a circular piano just like yeah. a circular <laughs> piano piano on fire circular piano on fire weird arms thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, th that was the thing that I was kind of confused by in the movie, uh, not not to relitigate what we uh, had discussed on the other podcast, but... Oh, relitigate. Um, Do it away. Okay. This is sure. pro bono. Like, <laughs> they kept on implying that Fire Saga, the uh, Will Ferrell, uh, Rachel McAdams duo, were really bad. They just had bad performances. I thought their songs were really good. Like, I thought Double Trouble was a perfectly serviceable entry. Like, not great. Certainly not the um, Mirror song that Demi Lovato's character was doing. Like, right. that that was going to win Iceland. Yeah, but it was still better than Uku Subiste's song from the <laughs> Double Trouble would have done, like, would have done, like, middle of the pack in 2010. It might not have. I mean, honestly, it might have just cleared semifinal, depending on what was in their semifinal. You know, if Spain wasn't in their semifinal, for instance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that Spain qualified. I did lull at that. Uh, <laughs> we all know if Spain... Hey, listen, if Spain were... If they had to qualify, they'd qualify a bunch of times. Spain they, would, they would probably try harder. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, yeah. The UK that's is That's why well. I wish that they had to, but that's, that's a whole other show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, when Volcano Man first came out, I was really, really concerned that that was going to be their Eurovision song. And Same. Yeah. Yes. And and I was very, very relieved to see that open the show. Mm -hmm. Get it out know of the that way. It was just like a, fanti a fantasy in their heads. Because uh -huh. I was I, I terrified say, that that was going to be the image. The fantasy in their heads was, uh, and this actually gave me high hopes for the movie as overall, the fantasy that comes with the performance of Volcano Man is... Mwah, chef's kiss some pure eurovision promotional video that was mm -hmm. that was yes. very true to life <laughs> yeah actually yeah there's some countries that are very very good at turning their promotional songs into promotion for the country itself iceland does this decently well montenegro mm -hmm. montenegro are pros at this when they're in mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. um, that, that's their primary goal i feel as, yeah, as a participant Absolutely. It's just, hey, we're a country that exists. Come and visit. <laughs> we have beautiful mountains, and we will be featuring them in 4K resolution in this video. Yeah, that's yep. that's it. <laughs> and whatever rock quarry we put Slavko in. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we would have gotten that more from the movie, was to be able to see some of the, uh, uh, the music videos produced for some of the songs that we saw in the show. I would have loved to have seen what Russia would have cranked out for us. That would have been... Oh. That would have been Beautiful. That'd have been fantastic. I mean, they they got the uh, the, the performance of the backing dancers down. Flawless, flawless. There were so many good things about the songs. That would have been a great thing to throw over, like the end credits. Yeah, you know. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, or if this like if that. this had been released on a DVD, like that would have been like great as like DVD extras. Mm -hmm. The director is like a former music video director, and you could see that a lot of the film performances they looked very well staged well shot i'm kind of surprised at how well the actual performances or the staging was for the fake show that they put some effort into that because they could have just uh -huh. cheaped it out yeah it actually made me wonder and since i wasn't in tel aviv i didn't really have any sort of sense of this but if the filming for the movie interfered with how the actual 2019 competition was getting filmed in terms of like camera blocking and just reserving space sam i don't know if you know any of that offhand but it was like just thinking last year how everybody was complaining about all the wide shots and it's like oh well maybe that was because cameras for the movie were 
I'm, I'm oh, pretty sure that so yeah, I'm pretty sure that like the contest itself would have taken precedence over right. anything that this this production would have done. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, I'm surprised that we weren't like completely just chock a block full of wide shots. But I guess it's also a different production company that's doing it. It's mm-hmm. it wasn't the Israeli uh, recording team doing the work for the movie. I believe that the filming itself was done during dress rehearsals. Was it before the second semifinal or the final? Can't remember exactly, but. It was done in a way that it just basically, it didn't really interfere with the timing of anything. It was more just, hey, we still have a crowd around. Mm-hmm. Let's record this thing. But I think it was a different a different filming crew. So they had different uh, different needs. I don't know. But that yeah, it sense, didn't yeah. it didn't look like the Tel Aviv recording at all. So, right. Which I was really yeah, fine. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of masking, for the most part, that it was its own contest in edinburgh yeah like there would be like a scene every so often where be like oh hey it's tel aviv but then like for the most part like nope this is this is its own thing i want to note i i saw i i wish i could properly attribute this but i don't remember where i saw it that somebody talking about the the rehearsal scenes really praised the movie for accurately depicting how some artists will simply bicker and piss away their rehearsal time (laughs) um (laughs) by doing things other than actually rehearsing yeah nice work eurovision movie (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ding dong. it's been lodged in my head for like 36 hours at this point but like yeah yeah ding dong just, <laughs> just like them them inserting like a dumb entendre filled dance band song in this brilliant and capturing like that weird wedge of eurovision mu- music that usually pops up in like one song at malfest and that there are people in the crowd who are absolutely obsessed with it like i I, i've the the look that that guy had in his eyes i know i've had that look in my eyes for other songs (laughs) so it's like i feel seen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah just well and just like my brain today has been has just been yelling play ya ya ding dong at my spotify playlist yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you mash the button to play it harder yep just just mash the button again again speaking of that who who are these people who absolutely do not want to hear their their potential or existing Eurovision song, but absolutely must hear Yaya Ding Dong. I mean, was it ever I, really was it ever really established if Yaya Ding Dong was a Fire Saga song or if it was a song that Fire Saga plays? I I just assume that like as the local bar band, like that that is the the big folk number that they must play if they want tips. Mm, yeah. I thought it was the Icelandic national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. I, yeah, it I, should I, be. I think I saw a petition somewhere, or if not, we should probably get on change.org to get that going. But yeah, yeah. change.is. Uh, yeah. yeah. But every every other song they did, or most of them, were cover songs. So I just assumed it was a cover song of mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. I never heard. I thought it was original. I thought I thought that it was yeah. implied that this was their song, and they're saddled with the fame. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Mike, I will I, yeah. just like one other thing about Yaya yeah, yeah, Ding Dong. So, uh, friend of the show, Chris King, who was on our last episode, messaged me about the movie because he had thoughts, and I had told him that I was like, yeah, I'm I'm really glad that they found like a slot for like the weird the weird dance fan song, like Yaya yeah, yeah, Ding Dong. He's like, is that a real song? Yeah. <laughs> to tell him no, but it's very similar to, to actual music that exists out there. Should have told him it was at San Remo a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, oh, that would be amazing. I know, yeah, like, actually, a song would... like that, a song like that, if I don't know if you guys remember, but when Switzerland used to have their open call for songs mm. that like anybody could just put a song up, 
I could have absolutely imagined a song like Ya Ya Ding Dong. Oh, yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> this would have been like 2010, 2011, 2013. Like, yeah. It plays oh, like, right after Acapulba, Potato, Potato. Yeah. Oh, do not do not besmirch the name of Potato, Potato, Acapulba. That is, that is an absolute <laughs> evergreen in my book. Oh, crap, now uh, it's going to be stuck in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of leads into kind of the center. Well, I don't know if it's the centerpiece of the movie, but the, the thing that everybody seems to agree is was the strongest part of the movie, the song along. Like watching that, I could appreciate it just because, like, oh yeah, I recognize like all of these Eurovision people. Is this going to make any sense to anybody who doesn't like know Eurovision or know who the Eurovision stars are? Oh but it no, seems like not at all. Yeah, but it no, seems no. like at least from Twitter anecdata, that scene seems to be just like people re-watching that scene just as much as anything else. And I don't know if it's just because of the pop songs that were part of the mashup because it's Black Eyed Peas and Madonna. What were your thoughts about the song along portion? First of all, I I think it's incredible that uh, this movie combined uh, Eurovision and Madonna better than Madonna did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was also in my notes. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I hadn't even thought about that. Oh, Oh, dear. Yeah, so I I only watched, I, I watched the movie in its entirety once. I went back and watched this part a couple more times after it was over because I thought it was so much fun. I thought it was the, the the cameos were really cool and fun. I definitely had the thought someone who doesn't know who these people are is going to be really confused because suddenly they're introducing all these people uh, who, by the way, are not going to be seen again at, at, uh, uh, you know, three, three minutes from now, however long the, the medley is. I thought they those re- gotta go three minutes. Bye bye. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was geeking out and hurriedly explaining to the person I was watching the movie with who all of these people were, because uh, <laughs> I was very excited. You know, like there's Reebok and there's Jamala and there's Conchita and, and and so on. But I'm a Eurovision weirdo, and it was a delightful little bit of, of fan service for me. I, I I don't know how this is going to come across besides just sort of being confusing. And and thankfully, I thought musically it was it was cool and well done. It managed to make a medley I very much enjoyed out of songs I don't like. Mm. Um, yeah, you're right. Waterloo can go piss in the woods. Well, that <laughs> <laughs> Waterloo and uh, Naparte Pa, those are fine. Uh, the rest, no. But I gotta say, Netta comes out of the limo singing this stupid Black Eyed Peas song. I was there for it. And I cannot believe I'm saying that. Oh yeah, I was <laughs> I was good with it too. What I appreciated was that they basically treated them like we should know them. This this was probably the, the, the one moment in the movie where we did have some cameos that were presented in a way that's like, if you don't know these people, you're gonna know them real soon if you decide to actually get into Eurovision. I felt like that was presented really well. I mean, at least they weren't like, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Conchita Burst. That would have been that would have been really tiresome that, afterwards. Yeah. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, it's Lorene. That's another thing they maybe could have tossed into the into the closing credits. 
I was just thinking that as, yeah. as like a you know how some movies that you know they'll do some sort of recap and be like so and so went on to be a lawyer and so and so went on to you know, <laughs> get to killed be in a, Vietnam yeah to be a dog or, or whatever yeah, it's, it's American graffiti yeah yeah uh, they could have they could have done something like that like like going through the cast show Salvador Sobral holding up the trophy show Netta holding up the trophy that sort of thing but Danny makes a good point as confusing as this may have been it still elevated the performers and and explaining who they were in real time in the movie uh probably would have been worse right uh, but mm-hmm. i i i loved this bit i absolutely loved it uh it 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 raised the the rest of the film like a half star to a star for me was just this one part this part was definitely like the love letter to the fans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like i think as the as the movie premiered you can kind of like see the wave of people on Twitter just going, oh my God, the song along. It just like this massive up, you know, upswell. And I think for people who don't necessarily know the contest or know very, very little, wouldn't be able to recognize, you know, winner from X year or Y year. They know that these are people who, you know, the camera is on and they are obviously important. And I think anybody with a sense of logic can figure out, okay, these are people who are connected with the actual contest, especially when they bring in these, you know, everybody knows Waterloo, but people don't necessarily know Naparte Passamois. But people know that Waterloo is a Eurovision song, so they probably would make the jump that okay, and maybe this other song in French that I don't know is probably another Eurovision song. Supposedly, I was reading a, an interview with the director producer. They were in talks with Celine really? to get her into the scene. It didn't work out, but that conversation had progressed with her to some extent, oh, and geez. that would that would have been a freaking coup if they had gotten yeah. to. Does she just um, kind of disown Eurovision at this point? I, she's got other things she's worrying about. You well, know? I know, but but well, well yeah, like I yeah. I had been so when when Eurovision again did the the eighty eight contest, I had gone off and tried to see. Oh hey, has Celine Dion ever performed Ne Pas like live recently? And by recently, like in the last twenty years, and like there's no video from since like since the contest essentially. Well, I mean, if she does. If she ever would, it would probably be for her specific French-speaking market, if anything. Or it's her um, shiny, happy people that she just refuses to ever do again. Well, I mean... I like I shiny, I, happy I people. I, I don't think she's one of those Mariam artists who's doesn't. ever come out... She's not one of those artists who's ever really come out and said, I hate this song, I will never do it again. It's not like um, Sandy Shaw and Puppet on a String or anything like that. It's just... She's outgrown it. She's got, you know, so many other singles. This is just one stepping stone. It's not like the major point in her life i can't you know i'm not climbing inside celine dion's head i don't know it is kind of the major point of life it's when everything started to happen although now i kind of want to be john malkovich but have it i just kind of want to sit around in celine dion's head and watch how that works yeah (laughs) it's probably incredible up in there like i would i would watch that netflix series being celine dion Dion does stuff I will say though, my, um, all right. So I've gotten my mother very much into Eurovision. She's totally into it. My dad is sort of like, all right, this is this thing that my daughter is into. And I, you know, I, I, I know it's a uh, thing, but I don't really watch it, yeah. <laughs> but mom and dad watched it together, uh, on, on Saturday. And even dad knew as the song along was going on, he's like, all right, these are obviously Eurovision singers. I wonder if that 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 lady with the beard is going to show up <laughs> and like the moment that she did like he was so satisfied it's there's there's something even for people who just tangentially know the contest people like Conchita 
stand out and people recognize her, even if they're not like devotees of the show. So there's there's something to hold on to, something to pick up on. So I like that Conchita was the big reveal in that whole thing. John Lundvik, by the way, I'm not shocked he didn't have anything else to do, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ruining uh, France. Was, <laughs> oh, oh, that's why the song was bad. He was busy doing a song along. Mm-hmm. I want more song alongs. I don't necessarily want more Eurovision movies. In fact, I'm pretty sure I don't. But I would oh. like more song alongs somehow. I guess we kind of did get one in 2019 with Conchita doing Heroes and Mons doing Fuego. And so yeah. just like that, that entire that? sort of daisy chain of people covering each other's songs from Eurovision, I really liked. And yet, like, so I liked the idea of the song along, but there is something about the specific staging of it that I ju- that just like did not like during the movie. It was just done very direct camera, everybody looking you straight in the eye and going, hello, Eurovision fans, we know that you're watching, here is a thing for you. Yeah, I think if the movie were an actual musical, it would have made more sense. But since like the movie overall is really baggy in a lot of parts, like that is a section that could have been removed completely and not impact the story. Yeah, because it had nothing to do with the story. And like just the way it was staged, I don't know. Like if I wanted to watch Pitch Perfect, I would watch Pitch Perfect. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, well, it was sort of introduced but, very awkwardly and yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, Dan Stevens was just like, "Are you ready for Song Along?" And then uh, the Greek singer was just like, "It is the Song Along. Don't you know the Song Along?" Yeah. And then Song Along is happening, is, and then yeah. nobody discusses the Song Along for like the rest. Of, the Which rest is how you introduce yeah. a musical number in a musical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's but, time to but, step yeah, like, in time. Let's step in time, and then they do step in time. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. But yeah, like there is. Now that's going to be stuck in my head. There's various various fan service-y pieces in the movie that are just, that just kind of stick out because like there's a, there's a bit where they introduce Yannol Assand and it's not Yannol Assand. I know. (laughs) And like my thought about that is like, if you're going to have like the fake, if you're going to have an EDU official and you're not going to get the actual person there, just give them a fake name like Svante Sokselius or something. Yeah. Because nobody's ever heard. (laughs) Well, I saw that uh, Jan Olesand had an executive producer credit, so... Yeah. Uh, so he was involved. He was. Like, yeah. show up on set. Doesn't even have um, to remember a line. He just has to be there. Yeah. Just say, uh, take it away, and away yeah. you go. Or just yeah, use our footage. footage. Like Forrest Gump. Yeah, Gump. like there's just Will Ferrell something... It. Maybe it's like a 30 Rock thing where they did try to film it with him, but he's just like, do I need to hold two coffee <laughs> mugs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, take... Oh. No! <laughs> Yeah. Take 47, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked the idea of the song along, but yeah, just something throughout. And also, like, the selection of people involved was very weird. We had a lot of the winners, but also John Lindbeck and Bilal are there. They were fine. Jesse Matador is in the background for some reason. Where is Verka Serduka? Where is Verka Serduka and her mother? Where's Mons? Yeah. Mons not being in this is weird when, when you think about it. Do you also? think there was press for time and they just got whoever would show up? They might have invited like 20 or 30 people and just like, this is who we get. Which might explain why, I mean, not to not to knock her talents. She's very talented. But why was Anna Obadescu there exactly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she mean, was the one where I was like staring at her like, well, I know that this is a Eurovision person because the movie has like is staring me in the face and going, these are Eurovision people. Uh, but like, I'm just like, who? Who is this? Yeah, I'm wondering if this might have been filmed on like the Monday of Eurovision week uh, and then like... I don't, I don't believe that was because that was actually filmed 
in a castle in, I believe, in England, if I'm not mistaken, England or Scotland. Oh, so it wasn't in Tel Aviv. It was that that part was not in Tel Aviv. Oh, or at, least okay. the, well, at least the exterior shots of the castle is somewhere in the UK. Was that uh, the UK like Eurovision party or something? I feel like most of the. Mm, I'm just curious the timeline. A lot of those people, you know, they weren't performing, so they would have to fly them in and give them a hotel yeah, but, and have them memorize a staging then, and all that. But then Jesse Matador. Yeah, I don't know. Who, granted, I, I adore, but, you know, what was he adore doing? Adore the Matador. I, I don't know the logistics of that. And there are artists that I would have liked to have seen involved, and there are others that I was confused of why they were there. If you had Saving to pick... The sequel. <laughs> yeah, if if you had to pick one artist to shoehorn into the song along in the history of Eurovision, who who would you want it to be? Oh God. I am asking this to all of you. Name one. Just River Dance. Just <laughs> Dust on the Turkey. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what I wish? You know how the Olympics always have like a weird animal mascot? I wish every Eurovision had a weird animal mascot. Because for some reason, when you have yes, to wear shoe in there, I wanted I wanted Ziggy to be there. <laughs> yeah, we never mentioned it before each performance. They had the logo and the slogan for the contest, and I thought, oh, that's very fitting, and it looked very appropriate. I forgot what the, what was the slogan again. Perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. Yeah, uh, which oh, was so Eurovision on. slogan. Yeah, it's uh. <laughs> really good. And I also appreciated the the detail. Like if you looked at the the accreditation lanyards, which the fact that they all had accreditation lanyards mm-hmm. on, I oh, was yeah. very yeah. But that that even had the, the the perfect harmony logo on there. They weren't just like recycled ones from Tel Aviv or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of want to get one for my collection. Yeah, it was really interesting. Like they, they paid attention to detail in a lot of really interesting ways, and then completely biffed it in some very yeah. obvious ways. Am I misremembering yeah. this? Did uh, did Fire Saga's song actually... They did. They got a revamp. Yeah. 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 I'm like, oh, well, let me break it to you, newbies to Eurovision. This happens a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and occasionally they just at, toss the song out and start over. Yeah, that, not at the contest. <laughs> yeah, not at the contest. Yeah, but like... There isn't a lot of movie drama in the idea of okay, we have to finish this by March third, or or, <laughs> or or whatever. So like I I I get that part, uh, but I was I there were certainly moments there, and then you know the whole thing where they swap out the entire song and have orchestration for it at the last minute, where I'm just grumbling oh, yeah. a little bit. That's yeah. like. That's, that's not how that works. That's like one of my least favorite movie tropes is when somebody has like this carefully prepared performance, they throw out at the last minute and just wing it, and it's even better. Hey, it worked like, for Elvis no. Costello that one time on SNL. It worked for yeah. yeah, yeah, he got banned from SNL. Although I guess Fire Saga got disqualified. So you know who didn't uh, yes, get banned he... for that? Sister Act Two. That's when it happened. Back so yeah, I guess going into the performances of the actual, in air quotes, Eurovision Song Contest, uh, we saw a handful of countries and their performances. Who are your favorites? Who, are you, who would you give your 12 points to? Oh, Finland. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that Full Finland. Moon song by Anteros. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually started getting into the, some of their other stuff. It is they're, a genuinely good really track by good. a genuinely good band. Yeah. BBC, maybe look at that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have no idea... <laughs> I have no idea if there's any connection to BMG Records because I know that that's how B- the BBC is doing their thing now. But get on that. <laughs> or another country that can buy them, mm. San Marino. San Marino. Get yeah. on San that. <laughs> <laughs> they will take anything. I mean, at, we get get Cine, You know, we have Cine for 2021. 
2022 get them i think the 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 big reveal the the hometown finale song it, it was it was painstakingly heart stringy but it was also quite good mm-hmm. yeah yeah who civic was was really good i was just like but this is a silly movie why am i feeling emotions when it hits the icelandic for the first time yeah yeah it's uh, it's also really reminiscent of adele's uh hometown glory so i think like if your vision wants to go the adele route like that that song is an entry point for some. So <laughs> it's the gateway I, drug. Yeah. Yep. I, I did see that that Husevic, in terms of like total listens on Spotify, is about on par already with Volcano Man, which has been out for a month. <clears throat> so like people are really into that song. Like if 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 that's any indication, had this contest had a televote and this song was not disqualified. It probably would have won that television. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm going to say something that might sound a little bit weird, but I think it's actually possible. <gasps> Could that song potentially be nominated for an Oscar for best original song? Yeah, don't. I mean, uh, would, I mean yeah. would, would, because I mean, something being released directly onto Netflix can be considered a film, correct? Mm-hmm. Not just that yeah, kind of I know the, it I know has the to be released in theaters. It has to be released in theaters. Well, I feel or like it's a theatrical release. Even in a year like this? Yeah, yeah I think, I think, I think they're tweaking things. all of yeah. the rules for, so, for this coming yeah. year. But like, it's definitely it... going to get nominated for a Golden Globe. I cannot imagine. Like, this movie's probably going to be Golden Globe bait, which is going to be real weird. Yeah. <laughs> not, I mean, not really. It's 95, it's 95 members oh. of the Hollywood Foreign Press. It's very easy to bribe. How many of them are Icelandic, though? <laughs> 31. 94? No. <laughs> <laughs> then there's not a chance. I could see... You know, variety, getting the for your consideration sort of thing for for the song. I don't know that it's a it would be a super strong contender to win an Oscar no. for no. for best song, but but I I could see it being in the discussion certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just going to depend on what sort of competition there is because some years there's only three songs yeah. that are up. And that's so, how I mean, we it, got... it could be it could be the Blame Canada of this <laughs> year. So like, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's how we got Oscar winning song Man or Muppet. Which, mm. granted, you know yeah. that means that that means that uh, Britt McKenzie has an Oscar, which I'm okay with. So yeah. yeah, and it would be an opportunity to have Will Ferrell at the Oscars. So actually, it it would staging, give so. it would give Molly Sandian, who's mm-hmm. the voice of of Sigrid, really a chance mm. to shine, which yeah. I think would be great. Because mm-hmm. cool. I feel so we're like in agreement we're starting the Oscar campaign right here, right now. <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Seriously. Excellent. Going back to like, who would we give our twelve points to? Uh, the fake Lordy from Belarus. Yes. That was my choice. <laughs> it's like the fake Lordy from Belarus gets my 12 points. That was great. Yeah, I think the fun. I think the other issue, if we can circle back for just one second about Husevic getting nominated for best song, is that it's going to have to get past Yaya Ding Dong. Well, that's oh, true. Oh, yeah. of course. Uh, <laughs> mm. I'm sorry. Please move on. <laughs> I'm just imagining I can't, like, I need the to entire hear audience right now. <laughs> I am. I'm just imagining the entire audience at the Oscars singing along gleefully with "Ya Ya Ding Dong." Oh it's God, Meryl me Streep! So oh. Meryl Streep! <laughs> oh my God! She did a great job covering that Eminem song. So, oh, as so long as yeah. Pierce Brosnan isn't going to sing, it's fine. Mm. So Pierce Brosnan not singing. What else wasn't in the movie that we, music-wise, that it's kind of surprising, like either in terms of genre or Eurovision style. I mean, I'm both I'm both pleased and kind of surprised that there wasn't a massive, massive focus on the ridiculous 
at mm. Eurovision, which, you know, so many people are brought into the contest because of acts like Verka Sarducci or Dustin the Turkey or, mm-hmm. you know, the crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I'm happy to see them kind of veer away from that, but I was not expecting that. I was expecting a song like Volcano Man to be the standard. And I'm happy that they didn't do that because that would have been low hanging fruit that would have ticked me off. <laughs> would have distracted from the the humor elsewhere if the contest wasn't like the straight man mm-hmm. to Will Ferrell's goofy man child. So you, you don't think Lion of Love falls into that category? There's a difference between over the top and ridiculous. Mm. Caesar is over the top. Like the emperor? <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, a, a goth vampire, uh, Melvin, oh. over the top. Mm. Oh, yes. Yes. But, but there still we go. solid. Verka Serduchka, Dustin the Turkey. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Verka Serduchka was in spies, so. Yeah, she's had her moment. <laughs> she's like, I'm done doing this Hollywood thing. Uh, <laughs> and Jedward were in Sharknado 3, I oh. want to say. Was it Aren't they living with Tara Reid? Yeah, they're both they do yeah. their close friendship with Tara Reid. Yeah. Why weren't they in this movie, by the way? That would have been... That would have been great, actually. They could have played the Americans. Oh. Not really. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's enough Haribo in the world to have supplied their trailer with. Yeah. <laughs> they can't do a convincing American accent. No shame. Still love them. I would say, the one of the weird things was, I thought... Lion of Love was the worst of all the songs. Uh-huh. And, they, oh, and yeah. they kept saying, like, oh, this is the front runner in the betting odds. And I was like, really? This? Yeah. And they didn't play up Sweden at all, which uh-huh. is kind of surprising because usually they'd be like the default favorite. Yeah, especially considering that Will Ferrell has sort of seen a lot of Eurovision through the Swedish lens. Because, mm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, that's how he got into it. His wife is Swedish. He first saw it through uh, when Take Me to Your Heaven one. I'm surprised yeah. that it didn't have that sort of Swedo, Swedo-centric focus. I, I understand why they why they made Russia the quote-unquote villain, but it did seem weird that they gave them such a dumb song to to saddle them with, just despite being this big favorite or or whatever. I was also kind of waiting for a shoe to drop or something like that, so to speak, with Double Trouble, and that we heard the first verse of it a couple of times, and then it would get cut off, and I was fully expecting... At some point, we're going to get the reveal of what this song is actually about, and it's going to be something really, really weird. And mm. like, it was a joke that I was waiting for the punchline for, and that ended up not being the case. Uh, so that was so it was the perfect microcosm of this movie. Yes, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yes. Well, the, that's, the disappointing yeah. thing about that song too is they kept saying that Sigrid holds back when she's singing, and I thought the big reveal at the end would be she finally sings with passion like she did in the sing-along she didn't and instead it was we're just going to throw this out and start over and do a completely different song and i thought it was it was just too many things at at the end there too many elements Mm -hmm. i thought maybe the idea was that that she couldn't sing double trouble with that level of of authenticity and passion because it was just not her song not a not a great song something like that but that's kind of how i took it too yeah but you're right that there was just sort of a lot going on Hmm. and like yeah they 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 teased this other song and there was a payoff for it but 
it was i mean like a lot of the movie was a bit ham-fisted but there was a payoff at least like with the elves <laughs> Chekhov's gunned with the elves didn't they mm-hmm. yeah. show the elves in act one and then they kill somebody in act three spoiler alert sorry guys yeah. Oh, yeah. There's going to be spoilers in this episode. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Oopsie. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Russia wins. Do they, do though? They? Do they? Yeah. We, we don't know we don't who know. wins. The, yeah. We don't the even know division. if they qualified because we only saw Iceland's semifinal. We didn't see the second semifinal. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. He seemed to suggest that he was going to win yeah. in sort of an yeah. arrogant fashion, but that doesn't mean that he did. Yeah. Which is, that's the truest thing in the movie, too. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think they probably, like, if Sergei was not busy at that time, he probably would have wanted to play that part, or he would have at least been game for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can see a lot of Eurovision artists, sort of, if the, if it had been offered to them, sort of jumping in as a pastiche of themselves. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of people appeared in the same. I mean, for some reason, I, could, I, I, I almost want to lay down money to say that Bilal Hassani would have done it if, <laughs> if given the chance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see Bilal Hassani doing Tom Lee. <laughs> I for sure, oh, I, the song. Oh, the yeah. song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a different movie. Well, hey. I'm genuinely surprised that it just recycle old Eurovision performances for the last few years and say, hey, these are the other competitors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just show Victor Crone rehearsals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would have been the easiest thing. Don't to get do. me wrong. I'm glad they didn't. All right, so anything else about the music to talk about before we sign off for this week? Just better than expected and better than it should have been. Hmm. I think it's a fair assessment. Yeah, it it, it elevated what was otherwise a very formulaic and not especially well done film into something that I found enjoyable, Mm -hmm. I think. I feel like we were a lot harsher on this movie on our show than we have been on yours because of the music being such a such a highlight of, mm-hmm. of right. the film. Let's be honest here. Anything with the Marpilish toys is honestly going to knock things up a couple of points in my estimation because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was in the movie too. Yeah. Ah. All right. And on yeah. that note, I think that's going to do it for this episode of The You're What. Thank you for listening. The You're What podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. Thanks again to the crew from 12 Points of America for joining us. Be sure to check out their show to hear the second half of our conversation about the story of Fire Saga. You can find them at 12PointsUSA on Twitter and 12PointsFromAmerica.com. You can find us on our website at EuroWhat.com and on social media at EuroWhat. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat podcast on all the places you can find podcasts. Next time on the EuroWhat, we'll be opening the mailbag and catching up on what's new in Eurovision. See you in a few weeks.